The New Testament Greek word that's most often used for prayer, and I'm not going to say it right, um, because I'm Norwegian, and we have trouble in pronouncing Greek, and that is pro Yukomai or something. I asked one of our smart guys, how do you say it? Then I forgot by the time I got here how you're supposed to say it. I wanted to impress you, you know. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but it's made up of two words. I mean, you look it up in the Greek, you'll see this. The two words are interesting. The first, pros, P-R-O-S, means towards. See, it's prayer is towards, but then what is the next thing? E-C-H-O-M-I, meaning the face. And what's he saying? What is prayer? Prayer means coming to God face what? To face. Did you have a face-to-face -to -face today? Isn't that beautiful? I'm, what am I doing? I'm coming face-to-face -face with the Creator. Coming face to face with the God of universe. I'm entering to have a face to face with him. Now, God, I love what is said here. This is written by Towns, Elmer Towns, that dean at uh, this, you know, the college down in uh, oh, Jerry Falwell School. Godly man, God, anything by he, he writes, you'll be blessed. An, uh, an elderly man that is really walks with God, all of this. And he says, when we come to God in prayer, we, read, we need to realize that he has invited us into his presence for a face-to-face. -face. Not only does he invite us into his presence, he goes a step further, he takes us into his heart. Isn't that a beautiful thing of the Father inviting me just to come in and to share my heart with him? See, prayer is not about words. You'll learn that if you mature in prayer. It's not about words. I met a girl in the hallway, and she knew exactly what I was saying. I don't know who she is. She's one of the real glowing Christians here. There's a lot of those girls. I wouldn't mind if the lights went out and they were there because they'd light the way for us to walk. You know, the glow of God is on their kissers. You know, it's just woo, beautiful. <clears throat> That's what makes a girl beautiful. Avon doesn't. I was in a place where the Avon lady delivered some stuff to the, the woman that runs this, the bear. It's called the bear. I said, you know, at your age, you ought to ask, does this come on a gallon side with a roller? <laughs> <laughs> Beauty is not in the bucket, girls. <laughs> I'm in a clear gallon size or more. You know, it's the heart that comes through the countenance. And that's where you see a girl. She is so attractive. You know, you just see the presence of God in her life. And her walk with God is just so obvious. Okay, now, so, and I said prayer is not about words. I know what you mean. When I was a beginner in prayer, it was all about words. But as I begin to get closer, you know my wife and I have wonderful fellowship, just being in each other's presence? Just being there. Just being with her. You know, sometimes words can break What's happening? You know, as God is just ministering to your to your spirit. You know, it's something you read, and like you were reading in Psalm 91, there's so many beautiful promises there, and you just get carried to the heavenlies. Wow. You know, this is so neat. I want that. Because I, I see where I am and I'm glad I'm not where I was, but I'm not in Psalm 91. You know, I'm not there, and I love when I read scriptures. I'm not there yet, but at least I'm looking through the window, and I know that's where I want to be. You know, God, I really desire to be that kind of person. Some guy was telling me, I read the Bible, and I'm really upset. I, do you realize that I found seven times that David lied? So I'll tell you what they are. He began to tell me, you know. And, uh, I, and, and I mean, he was all de really down and depressed. Well, I knew I couldn't say anything to him at that time because he was, it was a downer for him that David lied and he's a man after God's own heart. And as far as I'm concerned, liars are not a man after God's own heart. I'll tell you that. Yes, I understand. <laughs> so I talked to him later on and he'd wrestle through it. I said, you know, when you told me that David lied seven times, I was so encouraged. He said, you were encouraged? I said, yeah. Imagine. If a guy who's a liar can be a man after God's own heart, there's hope for Logan. I'm really excited. You know, it didn't discourage me. 
people that aren't perfect can have a close walk. Isn't that wonderful? Every one of us here qualifies for a close walk with God. You know, it isn't because of my perfection. It isn't because I didn't fail. But David took care of his failures. And that's a beautiful thing. You know, none of us, we will fail. Sorry, guys, but that's just part of life. You're going to stumble, and there's speed bumps all the time when you don't want them. You know, you go over a speed bump and like, oh, why is this coming in my life? Okay, now, I want to, um, I think a, a very, very important scripture that we always share in counseling on prayer is Hebrews chapter 4. And um, in order to talk about Hebrews 4, I need to um, tell you something that maybe you haven't noticed in Scripture. What was interesting is Moses was a Levite, right? And if Aaron was, then Moses had to be too. Who was the high priest? Aaron, not Moses. And yet, do you realize that Moses is the only person that was not a high priest that would go in the holies of holies and stand before the Ark of the Covenant and have a face-to-face -face with God? You aware of that? That's where Moses went to talk to God. Unless it was on the mountain. But I mean, he'd go right into the holies of holies and stand there and have a face-to-face -face with God. And this went on his whole life. That's where he heard from the Lord. God instructions to lead God's people was between the angels there over the Ark of the Covenant. And when he died, God told Joshua that privilege was not extended to him. Joshua could not go and have a face-to-face -face with God at the Ark of the Covenant. But Joshua had to go through a priest. And no one else had a face-to-face -face like Moses had with God until the curtain in the temple was rent. And now you and I can have what? A face-to-face. -face. And that's what, look at, look at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews is a marvelous book. But it's not an easy book. Because the more I understand Leviticus and the Old Testament stuff, the more Hebrews opens up. Because it's all about, you know, it goes back there. Uh, so it's like amazing. If I understand this thing in Scripture, it opens the door in other parts of Scripture. But in um, Hebrews chapter 4, it says in verse 15, For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity, but was in all points tempted like you are, or like we are, yet without sin. Jesus was tempted. You know what's important about that? To be attempted is not a sin. You have Jesus in the garden, uh, not the garden, you know, after Jesus was baptized and the dove and the voice of heaven, what came? The devil. And when did he come? When he was alone. I've seen the Judean wilderness. It looks like a good place for the devil to operate. And there's nothing to encourage you there, you know, except rocks and scrubs, sort of like where IMI is. IMI, the scrubs are a little bigger than that. And the devil came and he talked to Jesus. You know, Jesus heard him. Can you imagine Jesus actually heard the devil? How do we know he heard him? Well, he answered him. How did Jesus answer the devil? He quoted three verses from Deuteronomy. And do you know that Jesus, who is the Word of God, isn't that what John 1 says? The Word of God became flesh, the Logos became flesh, and dwelt among us. And yet, when he quotes Deuteronomy, he doesn't quote it word perfectly. Why? Well, the King James wasn't written, and now that's not it. Why didn't he quote it word perfectly? Did he know Deuteronomy? If he's the Logos of God, and if he's the Word of God, certainly he knew the words in Deuteronomy. What did he do? He rhymed the Scripture. I don't care what translation you look at. You go to Matthew or Luke, Matthew 4 or Luke 4. Look what Jesus said. Go back to Deuteronomy, and you'll find out, I don't care if it's New Living or even the NI whatever, uh, you know, uh, you will find it is different. 
then my question is, could he have done it? Yes, I know he could. Then why didn't he? There's a reason in the reasons for me. Because that's when I want insights. Lord, why didn't you quote scripture word perfectly? If in order for the devil to leave you, you have to quote scripture word for word, which translation? Well, King James. Oh, really? Well, I have the first edition of King James. It doesn't read like the one I have here, which is the third edition. I'm not knocking King James. Do you understand what I'm saying? If the words have, but then I better know Hebrew. Or Greek, you know, Hebrew here and Greek in the New Testament or whatever. Now, what did Jesus say would set you free? Not word for word. Truth. Jesus is the truth. And I use the truth of the word of God in my spiritual battles. What will happen? The enemy will go. I don't have to memorize all the Old Testament and all the New Testament to have victory in my life. Over the tempter. And that's, isn't that a blessing? All i got to know is the truth. I can't do that. My body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. If I do that, I'm defiling the temple. That's wonderful. I may not know where it is, and I can't quote the verses around it and all of that, but I do know that's biblical. And I do know I'm not going to do something that would defile the temple. See, truth can set you free, but lies will bind you. And it's easier to believe a lie sometimes than to believe the truth. Especially if I believed the lie a long time. I like what someone said. If you are being tempted, you usually know it. If you're being accused, you usually know it. But if you're being deceived, you don't know it. And Revelation tells us that Satan is deceiving the whole world. Because when I know I'm deceived, I'm no longer deceived. Right? I mean, if I know I'm deceived, then I'm not deceived anymore. But Satan's two weapons, we're told, in Revelation is deception and accusations. The accuser of the brethren and the deceiver has been cast down. So we, if we do, I mean, we're not victims. People, I'm telling you, we're not victims, we're victors. And because we're victors, we can have a face-to-face -face with God. I was bought with a price. I am not my own. God invites me into his presence to talk. What did the Lord tell you today? What did, what, what did he say? Is he pleased? Displeased? Was there something standing between you and his face that you need to deal with? I don't know. Okay, that's just the first part of the verse. The second part of the verse is even better. Let us therefore come what? What? I can't hear you. Boldly. The Old Testament priest, one, one sin, not confessed, going into the holies of holies. He's a dead man. Even dirt, any dirt or defilement on his shoes or his robe or anything, he goes in there, he's a dead man. And you and I come boldly into the holies of holies. Go back and read Isaiah 6. Go back, I mean, go forward and read Revelation, where it gives you chapters 4 and 5. What does the throne room look like? Let me tell you, with all that incense and voices and choirs and angels and myriads of beasts and Earthquakes and shakings and lightnings and thunderings and lights coming from his throne and so on. You pull the thing back and went, I don't want to go in there. You know, I don't think it's safe. And I can run in there and say, Father, can I talk to you? Do you guys realize the privilege you have? And how it's one of the most neglected privileges that we have as believers is being able to have a face-to-face -face with my father. I hope it grabbed you. <laughs> That's why I want to more than anything to grab you. To say, there's so much more. There's so much more to your walk with God than maybe you've experienced. And the only thing standing between you and that walk with God is you. God desires it. He made the way of the, into the holy place for you. Where you can go and be there.
in the midst of all of this glory. You might as well go there now, you're going to end up there. You might as well start worshiping now because we're going to do that in heaven. Oh, worship is so boring. Well, maybe I ought to go the other place. I mean, that's what we're going to do in heaven. The angels are worshiping. They're falling on their faces. People are casting their crowns in front. You know, all of that wonderful stuff going on there. It's beyond my imagination. I mean, I read it and I say, God, I, it's words. Help me to put something to these words. It's just so tremendous that I could go in there and talk to you. And you're always open to me. It's not like the, the, the guy that runs this joint. His door's shut half the time. I can't get I got to talk to him. Where is he? <laughs> He's always there. You know what I mean? I can always go in there. I can always say, Father, I, I got a need here. <clears throat> or I don't know what to do. I'm going to take a test. I didn't study like I should have. God, give me better grades. He said, that prayer stinks. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you study and I'll help you to remember what you studied, but I can't put in there, you know, what can you put into an empty can that's empty? <laughs> I can't put anything in there. But, you know, you need to do your thing. Um, there are certain people that I wanted to share with you um, some wonderful things here. And um, one is uh, from David Jeremiah. I never met the guy. Uh, a lot of people hear him on the radio. I've never heard him. But he wrote a book called The Prayer Matrix, and it's really quite good on prayer. Just trying to encourage believers. He pastors a church in San Diego, I believe. And uh, he's writing on Matthew 7, 7. But let me give you this, because it came to me before. When the children of Israel, when God did something special in their lives, like when he, they crossed the Jordan River at flood season, hasn't God got a sense of humor? I mean, do you want to carry that, that thing covered in gold with the stones in it and everything else into the river at flood time? I mean, why did he get him there at flood time? Oh, God didn't know. I'm sure he made a mistake. He really meant to get him there at the time when the flood was gone. No, he got him there at flood time. And uh, your, your director and the dean of men here were on the front end of the ark, and they wanted to trade places with me and Paul. I said, no way. You guys put your feet in the water. Let's see what happens. And so Paul and I got the, you know, carrying this heavy thing. We're in the back, and they put their feet in the water. You know what happened? Nothing. I don't know if I want to walk out there carrying this. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Does it make a lot of sense to carry a lot of weight into a flood? And they put their feet in, nothing happened. And they could have stood there for days. Nothing happened. It wasn't until we got our feet in the water it parted. Because, see, there's no doubt who parted the waters. It was God. There's no doubt. Isn't it amazing? When God does miracles, it's when I can do what? I can't get my grimy paws on it or around it. If God doesn't work, nothing's going to happen. Those are the wonderful times, but they're not fun. I mean, they're really not fun when you're going through them, but it's wonderful to see God work when he's got to do it. It's, it's not going to happen if he doesn't do a divine intervention here. And after a divine intervention, what did he do? He said, gather stones. What for? Put a pile here. Why do you want a pile of stones? There's stones all over the place. Why the pile? Why'd you put a pile? Anybody know why he had a pile of stones? What? Yeah, when your kids ask you, what are those stones, you show them how God worked in your life. Do you have a stone pile on your computer? Are you keeping track of when God did a divine intervention in your life? It makes good reading when you feel God's not answering your prayers. It makes good reading when you start getting discouraged to go back and read as you wrote when God met you. I don't care. I don't care if you put you ate at McDonald's or someplace else in your journal. But I'll tell you, it's a good thing to have a stone page, God's answers to prayer, where God divinely worked in my life. He wants to. Maybe your page will be blank. Are you praying? Are you taking it to him? You know, often we can push the panic button or the prayer button. It's my choice. I can't necessarily choose my situation, right? But I can sure choose my what? Response. When we landed, was it here that we landed, Paul, where the plane fish tail like this? 
And Paul was sitting next to a very religious lady because the more it fishtailed, we're all doing this in the plane. The back, and with the further back you are, the more you're doing this. And she's going, I guess she thought she's going to die. She wanted to be doing this when she met God. You know when the Pope does this on the balcony? You ever read about this stuff? He says, all you Protestants, get off the lawn. <laughs> but Matthew 7, 7 is a very interesting verse. And we all know this. I mean, this is something that we all know about ask, seek, and knock. Right? Ask, seek, and knock. Three little simple things. Ask, seek, and knock. But all of these, these three words are imperative in the Greek. What does that mean? They're commands. They're the commands from the Lord Jesus. He didn't say, if you feel like asking, then ask. You know, if you uh, have, you know, right, uh, when you get around to it, you may be out of seek. Or if you're in the right mood, why don't you try knocking? These are commands. You'd be amazed at how much prayer is commands. Okay? So if I'm discipling people in the commands of Christ, I've got to include this. They need to understand this. Okay? My command to you is ask, seek, and not if you want me to act on your behalf. See, we, we need to meet God's conditions for answered prayer. We need to meet God's conditions to be blessed. I mean, he's given us the conditions. We can't ignore them. Now, and see, if we don't ask for it, and if we have a need and we don't ask for it, we are being disobedient to the Lord Jesus. Because often he allows us to have needs to what? Motivate us to go to the throne room and talk with him. Yeah, I'd much rather be able to prayer when I'm not having a crisis than God have to give me all kinds of crises to get me in the throne room. Wouldn't you? You know, spare me a lot of crisis. Because God desires intimacy with me more than I desire intimacy with him. Okay. Now, these three little words in Matthew 7, 7 are not only imperatives, but in their original Greek Hence, they have a kind of continuing action connected to them. That's important. Jesus is saying, keep on what? Asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Don't ever stop. Just keep doing it. Always, whenever you need, just ask. Now, if you have a, a paper, it's interesting. Just write, ask. Seek and knock under each other. And that's the message. The first letters down ask. Just ask. That's good for kids. Kids love that. Oh, that's neat. That's neat. You know, ASK. Huh. That's all he asks you to do. Yeah? Just ask. There's also something else that we don't do. It, I am very thankful for my charismatic brothers and sisters. They've taught me more about prayer than people that don't have prayer meetings. You know what I mean? I, and the critics of prayer. And uh, my wife, we were going to, she, we had a little, we had two little babies, a little baby and a little girl. My wife was going to go to Bible school, and they found a lump behind her heart. I was working to help make money. And she was in the hospital for 30 days. That's a long, long time. And they weren't sure what it was. And I was absolutely wrought. I didn't understand prayer. I was in Bible school. I knew more about doctrine than I knew about prayer. And I could argue theology with the best of people. But trusting God, come on, that wasn't part of our training. Um, the how to win an argument, I was pretty good. And... Uh, there was this godly little mission across the street where we lived. And the, both parents taught at Life Bible College, which is Jack Hayford's. He was president of that organization. And uh, I was walking over. They let us wash our clothes over there. 
And I was going where the clothes to watch. I put my daughters down. My wife was in the hospital. And uh, the mother of these children all turned out to be wonderful, godly missionaries that at one time all their kids were known worldwide, uh, just outstanding, connected with Billy Graham, you know, all this kind of stuff. They were just who's who in the zoo. Uh, and she said, what's wrong? And I said, well, everything's okay. She says, no, it's not. You know, her spirit told her, I'm in trouble. She had some ladies that were there that she was discipling under a street light. This woman had so much faith, and she said, what's wrong? I told her, she said, oh, we just need to pray. So we took circles, and we prayed. And we prayed till she prayed through. We don't hear her praying through today in our circles. I don't hear prayer much, but praying through? You know what praying through means? You pray until the burden's gone. You know God has heard, and I believe the answer's on the way. Hallelujah, praise God. Go home and rejoice. She's going to be okay. And I knew she's going to be okay. You know? Thank God for people that can get a hold of the Lord and get answers. And they know because the peace settles in their heart. You don't need to pray about it anymore. You just start need to praise. We need that sensitivity when we're in the Father's throne room. And he says, I got it. I'm going to answer that prayer. And I walk out and I'm rejoicing from his presence that God heard and answered my prayer. So that's what the seek, knock, and everything is important. Okay. I'm looking at the time, and I'm looking at all that we've got to do. Um, okay. Going to skip this. Um, I gave you um, the Lord's Prayer thing there. Uh, you got one? We passed out. Um, all right. I just have to be sensitive to God, and I want to be as much as I can. And I'm going to go to this. Um, See, we're, we're called to prayer. I skipped a lot of that stuff, a lot of just the one thing I brought. But I want to go to the actual prayer because this prayer it isn't so much that I pray the prayer, although I am told to pray the prayer. It's that it's a guide for my praying. Maybe I ought to go there a little bit. Um, Yeah, I think I better. The Lord's Prayer is verbally inspired by the Holy Spirit and therefore perfectly worded. The worst thing that could happen to us is for wrong requests put through to the Father, and then he answers them. <laughs> you know, we ought to rejoice of all the prayers God didn't answer, you know, because I was praying from what? My eyeballs. Praying for my perspective, praying for my needs, my wants, my, you know, me, my, and all this stuff. See, I could misuse the Lord's Prayer by praying it from my head and not from my heart. Dr. Martin Lord Jones went so far to suggest that it is spiritual pride, if not arrogance, to refuse to pray the Lord's Prayer with others. Jesus said, when you go into the room, shut the door and pray to your father who is unseen or secret. And the father who sees what is done in secret will reward you openly. Then Jesus gives this prayer. You will be rewarded when you pray to be seen only by him. That's why I don't like verbal prayer meetings a lot. No, God. Okay. Oh, there's a real prayer, you know. Uh, you know. You know what I'm saying? You ever been those where the, just going? I'm sorry. You know. I mean, I don't know if God's impressed, but I'm impressed. You know, this guy's so great and wonderful. 
See, when you pray, do you want, we get up here and he asks you to pray. Oh, brother, what am I going to say? That's what I would have done years ago in Bible school. What will I say? Will my words be right? It's really important because I, I really don't care who I'm talking to. I'm caring about who's going to hear me and judge me. Of course, you guys are further down the road than I was when I went to Bible school. You know, my image, my esteem, my godliness is going to be at stake when I have to do something religious up front. And people are going to listen and evaluate because some kids here are horrible judges of your Christian character by the weightiness of your prayers. You know what I mean? You don't know what I mean. Yeah, and don't worry about it. I mean, who are you praying? You're going to pray to this crowd? You're going to pray to the president? Or are you going to pray to him? And they can listen. And if your prayer doesn't make sense, it does to God. You know, if, you're, if, you, if your prayer is all jumbled around, you know what God does? The Holy Spirit straightens it out. You know, maybe you're weeping and you're crying and then just sobbing stuff. And it's all disjointed stuff. God says, I love that. It's beautiful. God doesn't make sense to me. Does to me. <laughs> you know, we're having a heart-to-heart, -heart, a face-to-face. -face. Don't get caught up in how I express the words. Do you understand what I'm saying? That, you're, it's terrible. It's the worst thing you could do. See, why pray? I'm glad I'll go back to the, some beginning stuff I have here. Why pray? Because he invites us to pray and commands us to pray. That's why we pray. We're commanded to pray. Secondly, God ordained the end, and he ordained the means to the end. Do you want the school to be all that God intends it to be? Get on your knees for it. Get God's direction. What do you want us to do? What should we stop? What should we add? Or should we not change a thing? This is his school. This is not God's school. I mean, he didn't want it. Do you know what I mean? It's God's school. And this school is special. It's unique. There's no, not another school like this one anywhere. Oh, God, what do you want us to do here? God says, you want a perfect school? Oh, yes, Father. Get rid of the kids. Okay. <laughs> you know, that kind of defeats the whole purpose, doesn't it? Uh, <clears throat> Secondly, God ordained the end and the means to the end. Psalms 2.8, ask of me and I will make. I'll give you the heathen for your inheritance, and so on. Luke 11, 9 and 10, seek, knock, receive, find, and open. Luke 18.2, we should always pray and not give up. Go look at all these prayer promises in the Bible and instructions. It's, these are not good ideas. God is not saying it's a good idea. This is what I want you to do. God chooses to honor our obedience. Charles Spurgeon said, when I don't pray, coincidences don't happen. And when I pray, coincidences happen. Isn't that coincidental? <laughs> you know, hey, it's amazing. That's why you need what? A list of God's answering your prayer. How do you know God is real? I had a chart for my kids for their life notebook. How do I know God is real? They wrote their prayer request down and they wrote when God answered it. You can tell kids God is real. You can tell them all this stuff, but let me tell you, when they pray and get specific answers as a prayer, they know what? God is real. They know that. We've seen phenomenal answers to prayer, unbelievable answers to prayer. The kids knew, and they had this so they could read it. I wanted them when they, they went to secular school. We weren't smart enough to homeschool. And they made it through school, and they were witnesses and leading people to Christ in school. They went there, as Bill Gothard said in the old days, go as missionaries. That's their mission field. Share Christ. Be a light in a darkened place. I'm not saying put your kids in public school today, but we had no other choice. There was nothing else out there. And they went, and God protected them, and they would cry out for students and pray for them. We would have family together prayer for stuff at school, and God would answer in mighty, mighty ways. God would provide money that we didn't have for something that they desperately needed. We've had to pray food on the table. We didn't have money to feed. I, got, I could tell you some really crazy stories of some of the food he provided. 
But he provided, unbelievable. I mean, one time it was a double crate of eggs. You know how many eggs are in a double crate? I'm not talking about these cartons. I'm talking about the crates of eggs where you take up the thing and there's all these eggs, 100 and some on a level, 100 and some on the next level. What are you going to do with all those eggs? And we had 12 different eggs in the refrigerator. My wife, we had everything egg you could think of. She learned every kind of cake you could make that take lots of eggs. And for a while, I was saying, God, uh, there's always too much of a good thing. <laughs> but it's better than nothing. God provided. One time a guy just came and gave me a deer, dead, came into the church and said, you got a butcher knife? I said, this guy was strange anyway. I'm going, thank God I don't. You know, <laughs> did you like my message? I mean, <laughs> he said, I got a deer. It's for you. And this thing's draped over his car. Hair and all. I said, what am I going to do with this thing? I said, you're to skin it and all that. I said, I don't know how to skin it. Oh, you're a sky pilot. No wonder you don't know anything. He said, I'll take it to the butcher and have it done for you. But that's how God provided. You know, meat on the hoof. <laughs> I'm just saying, hey, it's been a wonderful trip of being poor. Right. And, and going to God with our poverty and watching God move. Because if he didn't move, like he says, if we didn't pray about it, probably the coincidence wouldn't happen. But we believe, and I'll tell you, the terrible thing is when your kids really believe, when they're real young. Richard needed a pair of shoes for school, and we didn't have any money. And he found a sole that came off someone's shoe outside. He was like first grade, so he glued it on a piece of, of green uh, construction paper and said, God, this is what I need. He, he believed God would meet his needs. He didn't have lots of shoes. He didn't have any shoes. And any pair of shoes. And God provided money for shoes, specifically for shoes. I mean, that's a, wasn't that kind of coincidence? You know, it wasn't for me to get a new tie. It was specifically money for your son to have a pair of new shoes. Why? Because these were people that have a prayer life, and God instructed them while they were praying to give money for us to have shoes. I, mean, I could tell you stories the rest of the day, but I just want you to know that I, I have the greatest desire that you would desire a face-to-face -face with God. Do you understand? That's why I'm here. You may not agree with me. That's fine. I don't agree with me half the time. And if you're growing, I don't agree with what I used to believe with. I mean, if I'm growing at all, and I don't want to be in cement. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because in cement, you don't go anyplace. And I know I don't have a corner in the truth. I don't even have a corner of the truth. But I'm trying to walk in the truth that God reveals to me. That's all I want. That's all I'm asking you to do. I mean, if this week was worth my coming and my invalid wife letting me go, it's because some of you are going to be burdened to start really crying out to God. That would thrill my, my wife, that her releasing me to be able to come here when she has no one there, she could fall at any time, no way to get help in the house. And uh, she wanted me, to, she didn't want me to come, but she knew the Lord wanted me. You understand? Her will would be there me to be there because of her frailty and pain and all. But she wanted to do, I married a woman that was always committed to what God wants. Not my, not, you know, my will and every, God's will. Okay. God knows our need, but diligently, uh, but dignifies us by letting our prayers make a difference. Prayer itself has no power. Do you understand that? So all the power you can put in your voice is not going to twist God's arm. It's the person who is, whose prayer is applied by the Holy Spirit that makes the difference. Otherwise, I could just be saying words. But when those words are empowered by the Spirit of God and enter the presence of God, things are happening. Do you know people that can get a hold of God? Have you been around people you know that can get a hold of God? Let me tell you, to be in a prayer meeting with them is one of the most glorious things. You're peeking to see where Jesus is standing. And it's not because they're weird. You just know. See, we can have a hand moving in God's heart following Jacob's example. I will not let go until you bless me. God, I'm holding on to you, and I'm holding on for dear life. And God, I'm seeking for you to have a divine thing here. Have you got, you have a child that, or a brother or sister that has a girlfriend the folks don't approve of? Now, it looks like they're going to get married. 
Do you believe God could break that up? Are you willing to maybe spend all night in prayer? Maybe you need to fast and pray for a greater sensitivity to the Spirit of God. When you pray in harmony with God's Holy Spirit, you will get answers. Okay. God promises to answer prayer. John Wesley was absolutely right when he said, God does nothing. Remember you brought this up. You said Luther. Well, Wesley said the same thing. Maybe he's quoting Luther. Uh, John Wesley said, God does nothing but an answer to prayer. But God does not promise to act unless we seek him first. He, wa he wants us involved in all that he does. I am to pray about everything. Psalm, uh, Psalms 3, 6, I and mean, it's really Proverbs. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths great. Acknowledge is what? Recognize, pray. In all your ways means what? In all your ways. You don't need a Hebrew concordance to look that one up. Okay, we're running out of time. And I, I do, I'm going to skip some things. Other points of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, but I want to go through the Lord's Prayer and give you some ideas how you can spin off only a little of an idea. There's all different ways of using the Lord's Prayer because the Lord said, pray like this. He assumed we would pray. He said, enter your closet, shut the door, pray in secret, and I'll reward you openly. Go back and read all of that, Matthew 6. That's all commands there. It's not a good idea. Remember, we already talked about that. Number one, the opening prayer is addressed to the Father. Our Father. I have a lot of material on our Father. But I had a problem with life. I shared it at the table this morning with some of the people there. When I said our Father, I had no feelings. It could be our chair, our table. You know what I'm saying? I felt bad. I'm being honest. We have a psychologist in our office, Dan Rumberger. Pardon me, Dr. Dan Rumberger. It's really, he earned it. Um, and um, I went to him and I sat on his couch. I said, Dan, psychologize me. And I said, you know, when I'm praying the Lord's Prayer and I say, our Father, I have no feelings. I don't think that's right. Now, if I had bad feelings, that means I still have probably unresolved issues with my dad. But that was not it. In fact, here it says, don't get your concept of the Father from your relationship with the earthly father, but Jesus' relationship with his father. Do you know, I, well, I do all kinds of crazy stuff. Anyway, I went to the Gospel of John, and they tell me John is all about believing, right? Okay, I counted it, 98 times. You know, there's another word found 120 sometimes. It's the word father. So don't tell me that book's about believing. The most important thing there is about how a son has a relationship with his father. And how a father has a relationship with the son. That's what the Gospel of John's about. Believing is second. Remember the a word used in Ephesians 40 times in six chapters? He talks about being in Christ. You know, so this, if you know what makes some of these books unique, it helps you to unlock the, 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 the thing of it. Okay. So, first of all, the opening thing here is the press. Now, if we're going to follow this, as a guide for my praying, which it can be. Because I just don't sit and pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, I will be there. It's not bad, and I can do that, but I spin off of that. I talk about my relationship with the Father. He wants me to have a face-to-face -face with him. He's inviting me into his presence. I can be grateful before I even start the prayer. Because I can walk into his presence and say, Father, never Daddy. I've got material on that. That's wrong. That is not reverent and that's not respectful to call God daddy, my big daddy and all this stuff. I croak it. Uh, and I've got a lot of material on why that is wrong. You know, to be, he's my buddy. He's not my buddy. He's God. He's enthroned upon the throne. You know, let's look at who he is and how the angels respect and honor him. And I need to do that in my praying. Okay, the next three is my petitions for God's glory. It has nothing to do about me. It's not about me here. May And I, I, I wrote the New Living, how they did it. May your name be honored. If I'm going to pray that, 
You know, don't pray a prayer that you can't be part of the answer. Or don't pray. A lot of the books on prayer warn you. Oh, God, send money to missionaries. And he says, well, empty your wallet first before I start answering that prayer. You know, maybe I am to, to be the one praying for the lost person. Maybe I'm the one who needs to ring the doorbell or whatever. Well, okay, right here. May your name be honored. Every thought you have today is being registered in heaven. Is your thoughts honoring him? Are your actions honoring him? Are the words of your mouth and meditation of your heart, are they acceptable on his side, O oh Lord? That's what, don't pray that then. Hallowed be his name, or however you want to put it. Are you hallowing God's name in your life? In actions? That's what you're praying. His name would be hallowed, and it starts where? Right here. What's the second thing? May your kingdom come. Not my kingdom. I've seen some pastors that have kingdoms. Eh, his kingdom. What's my involvement today in his kingdom? What does God want me to do today? And then your will be done here on earth as it's being carried out where? In the heavenlies. What did Jesus pray? Not my will, but thy will be done. That's what Jesus said you have to do if you're going to follow him. You don't follow Jesus on your terms. If any man will come after him, what? Let him deny what? Self. And take it across the table. What's deny self mean? I got to move from pride that life revolves around me. I have a new center. I'm a believer. Life doesn't revolve around me. It's to revolve around him. Your will be done, Father. So, you have the opening prayers addressed to the Father. The next three have to do with God. This is God's priorities of praying. The next three have to do with him. There's just one thing in this whole prayer. It has to do with my needs. That's the very next one. That's the only thing about my needs. And yet, what do we pray about? Do our prayer line up with the Lord said, pray like this? Give us our day, our daily food. I, I can pray for my physical needs. But look where it's sandwiched into. Then it goes on. So here we have the us's. The us's petitions. It's for our spirituality. You know, about forgiveness. About don't let us yield to temptation. Deliver us from Satan. When you look it up, it's the evil one. That's why I put it on that little paper you got. Father, deliver me from the evil one. Or when the evil one is camping, I want to sense his presence. And I'll tell you that most of us are hurt by people that are tools in the hand of Satan than Satan himself. Are you a tool in Satan's hand to hurt a fellow believer? You know, what did Job say? How long will you break me to pieces with your what? With your mouth, with your tongue. David said, I was wounded in the house of friends. We even went to the, you know, broke bread together, went to the temple. Are you a tool in Satan's hands in someone else's life? This prayer is get. you know, I need to be thinking about what I'm praying here. Lord, don't let me yield to temptation. You're going to be tempted. But being tempted is not a sin. Jesus was tempted in all points like we, yet without what? Sin. He knows what it's like to be tempted. Oh, my temptations are so big. If your temptations are bigger than God, I'm quitting Christianity. Right? I'm going to quit. And you have a, a satanic mindset. that He's real powerful and God's real puny. And that's what he wants. I'm real, you know, hey, don't go there. And Father, deliver us from the evil one. And then it ends with a benediction that's all about God again. For yours is what? The kingdom. Yours is the power and the glory. Father, may your name be honored. Father, may your kingdom come. Father, you will be done on earth. 
Father, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen. I had to restructure my prayers. Why do we need to pray? I don't have any needs. Do you understand what I'm saying? How much of my prayer is about God and how much of my prayer is about me? I'd, this would be a good thing to kind of weigh it. Most of it's about me and my ministry and all that stuff. Now, we're to worship him. That's what they're doing in heaven. You know, as I said the other day, you're going to worship for all eternity. Why not get some practice in now? And um, open your heart to him. And don't be surprised if you'll find that some of your more intimate times in your quiet time with God, no words are spoken. There's a hush of holiness, a hush of presence that you're just in his presence, and that's all I need is to sit in his presence and know he is somehow ministering with his spirit to my spirit. And I see it going on inside. I'm being so blessed and so renewed in my spirit. It's just wonderful to be in his presence. Father, I'm, I want to confess that I try to convey stuff that's so far beyond Conveying. It's stuff, Lord, that these people can only experience themselves and then try to put in words what it's like to stand in your glorious presence in the throne room of the heavens. And Father, I pray that you would give each of us a greater burden, a greater desire to want to live in your presence that we would want to walk with you and talk with you and know that you're ours and we're yours. What a great privilege to walk into that awesome room in heaven where Moses went. And we do, we do go through a high priest, Father. I know we go through Christ, but basically it's because of him we can have a face-to-face -face with you. And may we never forget the wonderful privilege that is ours because we're your children. So we commit this restless day to you. We ask, Father, that your hand of blessing to be on it. We pray for those that are laboring for Friday or Saturday, whenever the Christmas banquet's going to be, that, Lord, that you would be blessing them as they're laboring, and it would be a joy. And we thank you for gathering together and spending time with you this morning. Amen.